All right, All right. we are we back, are back here, here in the, in the studio, studio this time with the Home Field Advantage podcast, fresh off of our trip to Orlando and uh, back in the in the great natural state of Arkansas. Uh, Jackson, are, are you out there with us? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here, and uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a great it's a great time of the year. You know, we have one more meaningful the most meaningful college football game coming up, which we will discuss. The NBA is in full swing. Uh, college basketball is going. So, man, it's a great time of the year, and it's just always great to be back. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And even though we took the L on our first road trip, our first podcast from inside the stadium, you, you know, you got to start somewhere. You gotta, you yeah. gotta, you gotta earn your stripes. You gotta pay your dues, as they say. You can't, yeah. can't start at the top of the mountain. And uh, you know, like I was mentioning to you off air, if it wasn't a game that was going to be hard to win, we probably wouldn't be there because we, we're only gonna, gonna take a trip to the stadium for for a big game where, it's, uh, it's gonna mean something if we pull off the victory and that Pop Tarts Bowl would have been, would have been a great win and. You know, obviously came close to doing it, but didn't get it done. Um, and that's that's how they work out sometimes. Um, so there's a, if we were obviously, you know, to, to second what Big Mo was saying, you know, if we were if we were covering the Oregon Ducks, we wouldn't have traveled to the Fiesta Bowl to watch that. Yes. Absolute, you know, <laughs> Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl. So we're we only we're only going to cover games that matter and. You know, if, if if we win, you know it's 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 a good thing. You know, and you know everybody expected what happened in Fiesta Bowl. I'm just using that as an example, but uh, you know, a, a great game, and you know, like you said, it, NC State comes up a little short. So, uh, you know, we like you said, we had to start somewhere, and I, I totally agree with you. Yep, it was it was a fantastic bowl. As as people who listen to our podcast know, it was it's definitely worth worth the trip and i'm already looking forward to the next one um and and yeah I, I, again florida bowl if, if you if you if your team goes to florida and you're playing a, another good team that that is a, is a quality matchup I, I highly recommend it but uh yeah just because just because nc state dropped a game there does not mean or any team that lost a bowl game just because they lose doesn't mean they're not a good team or didn't play a good game because there are two very quality football teams in the country tonight who are no longer, who both lost their bowl games and are no longer in the hunt for the playoff. And let me tell you, they are, what I was convinced of, Jackson, after seeing the two playoff games last night, was those were the four best teams in the country. I was convinced of that. You know, and and uh, obviously, you know, being being outside of the the, the viewing area, area we, we've got to do a better job college football of, of making making these playoff games available to all viewing audiences uh, because I, I watched a, a wonderful uh, Jesus uh, Citrus Bowl in, in which the SEC team just absolutely uh, <laughs> annihilated the Big Ten team and in the same stadium where you watch the, the Pop-Tart Bowl in Camping World Stadium in Orlando and Later on that night, I'm not able to view on the same station uh, these two fantastic games that, that we're going to break down. And uh, obviously, two 
mean, just absolutely fantastic performances by 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 four great teams. And uh, break break that down a little bit for us as, as somebody that was able to view those games in their entirety. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, uh, for all all of you quote unquote cord cutters out there, and and I. I like to be part of that camp too, but I, you know, I've, I've given in somewhat and, and, and fed the, uh, fed the, uh, the problem you might say, uh, by, by getting some of these other channels, but for a big game like that tradition dictates in our country that there's four channels that need to air a game as big as a college football playoff game. And that is NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. Those are your four options, okay? And and there should not be any channels, other, even ESPN. I mean, we love ESPN, but you can't get ESPN everywhere. You certainly can't get it by just having a TV or an antenna. you got to pay for some kind of package or subscription. And it's un-American to have people, you know, not be able to watch that game because, you know, they, they don't have ESPN and, you know, they have to go somewhere to watch it or something and, I totally support anybody who just chooses not to watch it because, honestly, if if until until people stand up and say they're not going to watch it, then they're going to keep doing stuff like that. But it's it is sickening. Well, anyway, unfortunately, Jackson, what you missed was was the two greatest college football playoff games ever, um, unquestionably. Alabama against Michigan did not disappoint, and. Um, Man, I mean, what a slugfest all game. The teams traded points back and forth. Uh, in the fourth quarter, Alabama seemed to seize control. Now, at halftime, it was it was 7-7 seven to seven at halftime. So just a complete defensive slugfest, just, just like I like, personally. Yeah. Points hard to come by, and every yard just takes blood, sweat, and sacrifice to get. And so, wonderful. Uh, in the second half, Alabama opened it up and took the lead, 17-14 to 14 on Michigan. And uh, then Alabama uh, late got the ball back and kicked the field goal to make it 20-17 to 17, uh, with 4.41 left to play in the game. So how the scoring went down was uh, – uh, after halftime, Michigan scored first to make it 13-7, to but missed the extra point, which would later turn out to be critical. Meanwhile, Alabama kicked a 50-yard field goal. Uh, I'm sorry, a 52-yard field goal with four. Uh, um, they kicked a yeah 52-yard field goal with 441 left to play in the game. Made it twenty to thirteen. So Alabama, Crimson Tide are ahead by a touchdown with four and a half minutes left to play. So the stage is set. All Alabama's got to do to beat Michigan completely confirm the decision of the committee to put them in and continue the legend of Nick Saban is stop Michigan from scoring a touchdown, number one, or if Michigan does score a touchdown, to get the ball back and march it back down, kick a field goal, and win the game. Right. In other words, Alabama has Michigan right where they want them. 
And what does Michigan do? Drives the field on Alabama. Just a complete strong drive down the field. Methodical. Run passes. I'm sorry. Run plays. Pass plays. Yeah. Everything you want. And it ends up with about a uh, 10-yard run into the end zone that I, I think Alabama kind of let happen because they realized uh, if they if they took too long, once they got inside the 10 there and they had first and goal, I think Alabama realized if they took too long to, uh, to score, I'm sorry, it was, it was a four-yard pass is what they ended up scoring on. But to me, it, I mean, it was more, more of a run. It was like a little pass to a running back. Yeah. But uh, I, I feel like uh, Alabama realized that they needed some time left on the clock so that they could get it back and uh, get a field goal because Michigan had already driven it 80 yards, and they kind of realized they weren't going to keep them out of the end zone. So they, Michigan scored with a minute 34 left on the clock, kicked the extra point, made it 20-20. to 20. Alabama has over a minute and a half to go down the field, and their field goal kicker had already kicked not one, but two 50-yard field goals. So basically, if they could get it inside the 35-yard line, they're feeling pretty good. And Michigan just stepped up and stonewalled them on the very first possession, stonewalled Alabama. And Alabama went three and out, had to punt, and really, the only thing that saved them from uh, Michigan going back down and winning the game in regulation was a brilliant punt that um, that pinned Michigan back on the, I'd say, about their four or five-yard line. So they, they were very happy to take a knee going to overtime. First overtime, about three plays into it, uh, Blake Corum for the Wolverines busted loose. Or a 17-yard touchdown run. And then Alabama got the ball back, needing to tie. And uh, they were able to take off. Uh, uh, Jalen uh, Milrow was able to take off a run of his own. And get down to about the 10-yard line, first and goal for Alabama from the 10. They uh, ran a, um, a, a run up the middle for the first play. Uh, second play, I think they tried to pass, fell incomplete. Third play, it was a catch, but they only got it down to about the four-yard line before the the um, the Crimson Tide player got pushed out of bounds. And then on fourth and goal, fourth and goal from the four, what does Alabama dial up? Got to be a pass play, right? Fourth and fourth and goal from the four. They try a pure quarterback sneak. From the shotgun, right up the middle, it's a low snap. Milrow has to grab it off the ground around his ankles, tucks it under, and runs full speed straight ahead into the line. Might have got six inches on the play. Michigan erupts in celebration. Blue and yellow streams across the field, and there was a very terse handshake between Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban as they exited the field. Wow. So it was it was a heck of a game. It's, it was the exact type of game that people are, uh, viewers are accustomed to seeing Alabama win. 
And that's part, not only did Michigan come back and beat Alabama, which is always, it's always a shock to see a team in that pressure situation complete a comeback against a team and, and win. But to do it against Alabama made the game all that much more, I guess, satisfying for a viewer because it's so rare to see that. When Alabama's got you in a chokehold, that's usually it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but I have to say, I, I was rooting for the Tide because I, I kept thinking back, especially when they got down to fourth and goal there in overtime. And it was looking like they were about to lose, and they did. I kept thinking back, man, that play against Auburn, we, we got to, that's got to mean something. That's got, that's got to be, you know, that team. I want to see the team that made that play go on to win the national title, you know? Yeah. I mean, it but was, it wasn't to be. And then, you know, and, and the way that Michigan's season has went, you know, with all the controversy and, and everything, and, and – you know what? What a culmination for them and their fans, and you know, and, and not to take anything away from Alabama because they were trying to prove a point that they deserved to be there. But but what a what a great what a great win for Michigan, and you know, and their their storied program, and and, and now you know, and Coach Harbaugh's got them in a chance to, you know, in, in a position to win the college football playoff championship. Now now what what awaits them on the other side? As as you you broke this game down, what what uh what what's waiting for Michigan as as they're uh, as they try to get this this conference or this uh, college football championship? Well, let me let me brief you on the other one because a- after that, just absolute barn burner of a game, Michigan Alabama going into overtime. I mean, I don't even know if a playoff game m- might have been maybe one ever that's gone into overtime. I mean, it hasn't been that that long, but um. Very rare for a for a playoff game to go into overtime at all. So that was a doozy. But I, I assumed that Texas-Washington was going to be a blowout one way or the other. I Just because that's the way it always works out. But in both in a lot of years, both of them are not that close. Um, you know, you might get one close one, but you get a lot of games like Georgia and TCU where, I mean, you, you turn it off even before halftime. Yeah. And so I was expecting that Texas Washington, one way or the other, was going to be a blowout. And uh, honestly, it it started to look that way a little bit. Um, uh, Washington was up. Uh, the you know, teams kind of traded points back and forth. It was a tie game at halftime. Tie game at halftime, and then Washington. It was all Washington in the third quarter. Uh, they had Michael Penix through a touchdown pass early in the third quarter. Then they kicked a field goal, and actually two field goals on Texas. Uh, so midway through the fourth quarter, it was 34-21 to 21 Washington, and it looked like the Huskies were basically going to cruise. So it wasn't a blowout, but, uh, I mean, you know, it was not – it did not look like it was that close of a game. It honestly looked like Washington was going to tack on more points at any time and, and extend the lead. Um, but, yeah, some some huge plays in that game. Uh, Texas was driving at, at one point, and there was a, a big interception for Washington um, about around the uh, five or 10-yard line that stopped a, a Texas drive. But eventually Texas uh, got the ball back, 
and threw it to a guy named Adonai Mitchell in the end zone. Uh, they had about, I think it was third and goal from the from the one. And that made it a six-point game with 7.23 left to play. So still plenty of time on the clock, but Texas has to get the ball back, and they cannot allow Washington to get a field goal, right? Right. So... Washington drives it on down, and uh, just Michael Penix Jr. will not be denied. Just running, escaping, escaping sacks, running for first downs, and uh, eventually Washington player uh, broke open a run for about 20, 30 yards. Washington gets it down inside the 20. Looks like they're going to score a touchdown, uh, but Texas stops them at about the 15 or 16 yard line. Uh, actually, I think they stopped them uh, closer to about the 10 yard line. And uh, but anyway, at, at that point, Washington was not so much trying to score as not fumble the ball because they knew that a field goal would put them up by nine, make it a two possession game. And that's exactly what happened. Washington kicked a 27 yarder with two minutes and 40 seconds left to play to go up by nine points, okay? So, basically, most people at that point, the announcers were talking about how it was a good game. Texas fought hard. You know, Washington is about to face Michigan for the national championship because there's no way Texas is going to be able to score twice in the last two minutes and 40 seconds, right? Right. So, what happens? Texas runs down the field, very efficiently, very efficiently, and in about a minute and a half, they get it down to the four-yard line of Washington. But they can't get in. They can't get in from the four. I think they push them. They actually uh, run play, knocks them back to about the seven. They've got fourth and goal from the five, and uh, Steve Sarkeesian decides to kick a field goal, knowing that they're down by two scores. Texas kicks the field goal with a minute and nine seconds left to play. Washington gets the ball back. And um, Washington, what is it? Uh, Before, okay, I have to take you back to the, um, uh, let me see here. Oh, yeah. So so Texas, in, in stopping Washington from getting that field goal with 240 left to play, they only used one timeout. They used one timeout, so they've got two timeouts left. So Texas makes it a six-point game with a minute nine left to play. They've got two timeouts. So Washington, Texas tries the onside kick. They squib it. Washington recovers on the Longhorn side of the field. And then Washington, uh, they, they try two run plays, and – they're they're not able they're not able to get it. Two run plays they don't they don't get much yardage. Uh, Texas burns both their timeouts. There's 52 seconds left after those. First, well, I'd say probably about 56 seconds left of those first two plays. Okay. Third play, Texas out of timeouts. So the play right here is going to be Washington does a run play up the middle. Guy, guy hopefully doesn't fumble. And then whatever happens, they, they run the clock down to about 15, 14 or 15 seconds. 
and then they punt it back to Texas. Texas is probably going to get the ball back with, you know, at, at most nine, nine or ten seconds, having to drive the entire length of the field uh, to score a touchdown. They're down by six, right? Game is basically over, right? Well, great thing about college football is all the time you see stuff you see stuff that you've never seen before. Okay, so no, he didn't fumble. He didn't fumble. That's not what happened here. But incredible thing, they hand it off to Washington running back. He goes in. He gets maybe a yard or two, and then he he falls down, and um, he hurts himself. He get the Washington running back gets hurt. And I didn't know this, but I found out <laughs> that when a player gets hurt, the clock stops in college. There is no, you get hurt, they get him off the field, and then they run the clock again. If the player gets hurt, then the clock the clock just stops. It's like a timeout. There is no, the, the, the next time the clock runs after the player gets hurt is when the ball snapped. So they actually gave Texas the option of, taking a 10 second runoff of the on the clock because a Washington player got injured and it's like the announcer said that was the easiest decision that Texas has ever had to make is to is to deny that 10 second runoff so yep. the guy stops the clock there's now 52 seconds left on the clock do if he if he, the guy doesn't get hurt then that's that's down to 17 or, or less uh, when they when they when they snap the ball and kick the punt. So now they have to punt. Washington has to punt with 52 seconds. They punt the ball. Texas uh, fields the ball, but in fielding the ball, a Washington guy runs right by the Texas Longhorn receiver who's catching the, the, the football, buzzes him, gets way too close to him, gets probably a piece of his jersey. He gets flagged. 15-yard penalty. So now Texas gets the ball on, on their own 30 with about 46 seconds left to play. First pass is incomplete. Second pass, Quinn Hewers rolls back, chunks it deep to a, a I, I guess, a nameless receiver. I don't see his name on here. But uh, he got long hair in the back. I don't know. But chunks it deep for about a 45, 50-yard pass. He hangs it up there, and the guy makes a spectacular catch at the Texas, at the Washington 28-yard line. Clock stops while they reset the chains. Texas runs up, gets to the ball with probably 30 seconds left to play. Uh, Quinn Ewers runs back, completes another pass to, uh, I believe it was a running back, and he runs down and, and gets out of bounds at about the 10-yard line. Okay? So bottom line is... There's 15 seconds left on the clock. Suddenly, Texas now has first and goal from the 10. I kid you not. This is what's unfolding in this game is maybe one of the greatest comebacks in college football history. And now it goes from Texas just a minute ago, basically there being zero hope at all for them to win the game, to now they're probably odds-on favorites to win the game. Okay, like if if I had to put my money down on whether the Texas Longhorns could score in 15 seconds on first and goal from the 10, I would put my money on Texas scoring rather than Washington stopping them. Right. 
Well, well what, I, what, I, what, I, what we saw next was probably the most deflating and disappointing three play calls that I've ever seen. In, in, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I can't say, you know, ever, but given the circumstances, for the first call, again, 15 seconds left. You get plenty of time for three shots at the end zone. Okay, plenty of time. Um, but the first play, quarterback rolls back and throws a little dink out pass to the receiver. Okay? I'm sorry, to his running back who catches it about a yard behind the line of scrimmage towards the sideline and immediately just runs out of bounds for a gain of maybe two yards. I, I still can't figure that out, why you would even run. It's zero chance of that scoring from the 10. Washington was all over it. And I still can't figure out why you'd even run that play rather than take a shot at the end zone. Uh, so basically, and that cost them five seconds right there. So now it's second and goal from the 10. Uh, the second down play, quarterback Texas rolls back, throws it to that same receiver who had just caught the touchdown before uh, on a post pattern and throws it about 10 yards over the back of the end zone. I mean, even uh, uh, what, what Eddie, is his name Eddie for Purdue? Who's, who's, their, who's their center? Is it Eddie? Yeah, Zach Eady, yeah. Zach Eady, Eady, even Zach Eady couldn't could not have could not have grazed that ball with his fingertips, if if he would have been uh, suited up and jumping for it. it is no no chance. A completely non-competitive throw. Okay, so third again, third and goal now from the eight yard line. Uh, Texas at this point has five seconds left on the clock. They burned ten seconds with two essentially wasted plays neither neither one had any chance of, of either being caught or getting a touchdown and uh they hike it uh immediately washington players break through the line they've got uh quinn ewers in their grasp they're dragging him down to the ground the game's just about to end well quinn ewers before they, they drag him down he does get to the right of the pocket so just outside the pocket and right before his knee hits the ground he slings the ball as hard as he can toward the sidelines and the ball goes out of bounds but there's zero seconds on the clock zero seconds on the clock everybody everybody doesn't know what to do washington players don't run on the field no texas players don't walk off the field uh everybody's just kind of freezes the the officials huddle and they talk about it and they apparently uh the ball was thrown away and hit the ground right before the one second came off the clock and it was an incomplete pass all it was so texas now has another shot fourth and goal one seconds back on the clock they got their fourth chance now from from the from inside the 10 yard line they just have to complete one of these for the touchdown and uh they go back and um he once again throws it back to that receiver who had caught it before. And of course, that guy is blanketed by two guys. They're certainly not going to let him catch it. And the ball is easily knocked down. Washington wins the game. Wow. <laughs> wow. But, hey, it was, it was a heart-stopping, heart-stopping um, uh, action. And I wanted, to, I wanted badly to see Texas win that game because you don't see comebacks like that in those big games, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, it would have been the type that just rips your heart out as a Washington Husky fan. But uh, two tremendous football games, and uh, you know, for, for Texas, you know, to to make such a run, and uh, you know, even though they haven't made it to the conference yet, uh, you know, they they could have appeared in the college football championship game uh, shortly before joining the SEC. Uh, I mean, just just a great great season for the Longhorns. Obviously, not a Longhorn fan or supporter or, or subscriber to no. anything they have going on, but uh, two two tremendous football games. And you know, I think you said it. Uh, you, you said it earlier this evening that that the playoff committee put the four best teams in this playoff, and now we have two of the best playing for the championship on Monday night. And uh, I, I just want to go ahead and, and say it on the record that I will be pulling for Michael Penix Jr. and the Washington Husbands. Hold on. Hold on. You will be pulling or you're predicting Washington to well, win the I, 2023 National Championship? Well, I don't want to say it's a prediction because as we're going to talk about, my predictions haven't been very good, but I'm going to go – with my first thought on this, when I found out about the matchup, uh, I am going to be, I'm, I'm going to be picking Washington to win this over Michigan in an absolute thriller to go with the two games that got them to this platform. I think this is just going to be a thrilling uh, national championship game. I think it's going to be a nail biter all the way to the end. I don't predict or see that it's going to be a blowout like the 66 to seven that we seen last year with George over TCU. Now, hold on, hold on. Now, last year, the team, I think the team that lost that game, 66-7, uh, to seven, the team that scored seven points, weren't they wearing purple and white? What color is Washington? Uh, well, I, I, think that they, <laughs> I, think they do wear, I think they do wear a shade of purple, but I obviously <laughs> do not think that this is, uh, that TCU would be able to play on the same field with this Washington Husky offense. Uh, oh, yeah. This is totally different, a totally different purple that Washington wears, and I think that they're going to uh, to prove that, that they that they deserve to be there against Michigan. I, I think Michigan's probably going to be a heavy favorite. A lot of people riding with the yep. blue and ace to, to win this after a, you know a historic season, getting over the thousand win mark, and you know with with Coach Harbaugh, and I, I'm I'm pulling for the underdog in this matchup. And I'm, I'm pulling and I'm predicting and I'm saying that Washington wins the 2023-2024 College Football National Championship trophy in the last year that there's a four-team playoff. It's yeah. going to go to the Washington Huskies. All right. Well, I, I, I can't say you're off base with that. Uh, I, I actually think that might be a pretty good pick because – Washington, if you're going to go for an underdog, Washington's got two things that you can really hang your hat on. And, well, maybe three things. One, of course, they've got a quarterback who is clutch. Michael Penix Jr. is absolutely clutch. He's the type of quarterback you want in a close game. Uh, who, When he's under pressure, he's not going to get beat. He, he plays his best football. You're going to have to beat him. He's not going to beat himself. And you want that to start with right there but number two one thing that just impressed the heck out of me and it allows michael pence jr to be so good is what the washington huskies have a dominance 
I mean, not just a good, not just a stellar. They have a dominant offensive line. Dominant. And that's where it all starts for them. That's so underrated. But I, I watched them in action last night. And they basically manhandled Texas's front. And, uh, again, the Washington skill players, they're, they're not the type of team that's going to blow you out. In fact, here's a little nugget of trivia for you. The Washington Huskies have now won 10 consecutive games of 10 points uh, by 10 points or less. 10 consecutive games by 10 points or less, which is the all-time record in college football going back to 1936 to the wow. beginning of the bowl era. This is the first time that any team, I mean, even if you put seasons together or start, you know, at the beginning of one end of the last, no team in college football history has ever won more than 10 games by 10 points or less in all of them to 10 in a row. And so Washington, they know how to win close games. And it goes to show um, basically they're built – for these types of pressure situations and, and grinded out type games. And, I, you know, I, I think the, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, well, that, that's probably the other part of it is, is Washington. Um, they're a team that knows how to win, win close. They got the offensive line. They know how to win the close games and they got the quarterback. That's what you want in an underdog. And, and you know what? And I think another thing is the underdog is, is nice to, I mean, and, you know, they're actually Huskies, so they are actually a, a, a breed of, uh, of, of dog. You know, they yeah. are actually an underdog to these Wolverines who, uh, you know, you see on the commercial, we, we know why they don't have a live mascot, because, I mean, who's going <laughs> to run a Wolverine out on the field? But, I, it, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is it, isn't this not a, a future Big Ten matchup with all the conference realignment and everything? Don't won't they be in the same conference uh, yeah. next season? Yeah, you're right. So, no, you're absolutely right, because I was thinking about that, Jackson, about Alabama and Texas meeting each other, and that's basically an, an, a, an SEC. Just goes to show that it's all about the SEC next year. Well, we have the opposite. It's all about the Big Ten. And which, which you know, and the Big Ten hasn't fared very well this fall season, which I, I think we can, we can probably talk about. I mean, and so the Big Ten really needs this this title, uh, you know. And I don't, I just, I, I think they're going to come up short uh, because another thing about a hundred. Well, they can't. They're playing each other. Well, Washington is still a member of the Pac-12 for this game, <laughs> for this one final game. Washington is a member of the of what used to be known as the Pac-12, and I think Washington has something to prove that they're just not going to come out here and get pushed around by the. You know, this blue-collar team that's played in all these title games and played in all these big bowl games. And Washington is relatively young to this big stage and all of this. But I, I, so I think that's another thing to factor in when you're talking about an underdog because other than the, the ones wearing that purple uniform and their fans, nobody's really going to give Washington much of a chance in this national championship game because Michigan's been such a heavy favorite really throughout the whole year other than a little time that Georgia's been at number one, which I know we'll get to we'll, we'll get to some Georgia talk here shortly and, and you know what we what we predicted was gonna happen with Georgia uh, that actually went on. Uh, you know, I think Georgia's still got a, a lot of arguments that they should have been in there. Uh, and they lost to 
they lost one game and you know however many games it was to a team by three points that played in an absolutely epic final uh, in the college yeah. football playoffs. So I mean we and we can we can get into all that, but I don't want to take anything away before we, we we did move on from these these two great schools playing for the national championship that we that we so want as as Arkansas fans. We 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 want this. You know we want to be on that stage. We want to be able to cheer for our team and. So I don't want to take anything away from Michigan or Washington. Congratulations to making it to the final. Uh, this, it all comes down to this game. You know, who's going to be the best coach? Who's going to go out there and execute? And I'm still leaning on Washington. That, that Washington's going to go out there behind Michael Penix Jr., this great offensive line. Uh, the quarterback that I really think should have won the Heisman Trophy, I don't think he should have went to Jaden Daniels. We haven't talked about that. I think Michael Penix Jr. was the best player, and I think he's going to go show it uh, Next Monday night. Yeah, I think he was too. And um, Washington also had a defensive player who had about three sacks. His uh, his name escapes me, but um, an absolute tremendous uh, tremendous play on both sides of the ball for the Washington Huskies. Uh, it just goes to show how hard Texas fought. But I, I you know, I say with a with an evil smile on my face, just just how it's very typical of Texas to have moral victories and to always come up short and choke on the biggest stage. And you know, we it, it happens regularly. It really does. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, and, and not that I'm really a score <laughs> predictor or anything, but I think it's going to be a lot like the the Texas Washington game. I'm going to go with the six point win for the Huskies. I'm going to say thirty to twenty four. Is the final in this prediction was was Michigan to win it um I think still think Michigan's probably the better the better bet after beating Alabama um I do want to throw out I do think that if Alabama if they had played that game in the Sugar Bowl I think Alabama wins and of course they could have won it in the Rose Bowl too but um you know there's just something about the Rose Bowl that to me favors uh non-SEC teams there's just not many good things that have happened in the Rose Bowl for the SEC. Maybe someone can look that up and tweet at us or something. But if they play that game in the South within, you know, four or five hours from Tuscaloosa, uh, I really feel like uh, Alabama would have won that game. But, you know, they certainly didn't earn any type of home field advantage. And, uh, and, and playing in the Sugar Bowl didn't help Texas, which was fairly close. I think what adds salt to the wound for Texas is, do you know where the national championship's going to be played, Jackson? Well, I'm I'm not a I'm not actually a I'm not privy to that knowledge. Of not many people are. Let me throw it out there: Houston, Texas. That's where the Longhorns would have got to play Michigan for the national championship if they could have scored from first and goal from the ten. And I just can't get over it. I mean. That's, that's the way every spring practice should start for an offense. Okay, guys, here we are. We, we're going to put this ball at the 10-yard line. 
Okay, it's first and goal for the ten. You've got to you've got to uh, a score this ball to make it to the national championship. That should be like the starting point for every season. Absolutely. Is that if we can get to the point in this year in which we've got four plays to score from this ten yard line to make it to the national championship, then everything's gone our way. That's where we want to be. And, and you know, let, let me throw a, let me throw a plug in here for our for our outstanding hire of an offensive coordinator that we that we had at the end of 2023 to bring us to this spectacular offseason of 2024. I will go out on a limb, and I will say if that's Arkansas in that position, with Bobby Petrino as the OC, Arkansas is playing for the national championship. Oh, yeah. The 10-yard yeah. line with more plays to do so. Bobby Petrino is getting that ball in the end zone, uh, my friend, yeah. and you know, and, and you know, we have we have so much to look forward to. You know, this expanded playoff, and you know, so many discussions to have. But I don't want, like I said, these, these two great teams that are playing. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not backing off my Washington pick, but uh, because some of my other picks, which I know that you're just you're itching to just tear me apart on these awesome 12, uh, 12 bowls that, that I so. Well, well, before we get started, I do want to say just a little bit about the expanded playoff. On the one hand, I think this year showed me that the expanded playoff, you don't need an expanded playoff. I think the playoff system worked out perfectly this year. We had our, our two semifinal games, and between the four best teams, there were both wonderful games with, with all the um, – all the drama that you could ask for, and now we get a true national championship game and, and between. We do. And and we do, and, and not not to not to cut you off there, but that's a that's a perfect segue into why we don't need an expanded playoff. Because when you look at some of these bowls that we picked outside of the playoff, look how lopsided they were, and these were teams. Yeah. Well, some of these teams would have been in the expanded playoff this year. No, no. Would have been in the expanded playoff, and look at the look at the score. Okay, six to three. Oh look yeah, at Oregon and Liberty. Oregon but but let me say why that is. Been there. Yeah, but here's why that is, Jackson. Here's why that is, and this is why the I'm actually for the expanded playoff, even though we don't need it. Even though we don't need it, I think it's going to be a good thing because teams that are in playoffs, the players don't opt out. And that's why we see a lot of these lopsided scores, even the Pop Charts Bowl, for example. Well, it wasn't a lopsided score, but but that's been the plague that's basically killing bowl season for us, is that team the players opt out. You get a completely different Florida State team, for example, on the field. And you know, I think Georgia would have beat them no matter what. Uh, oh, probably yeah. by a similar score. But Georgia you know, so it's it's it becomes a joke. Georgia was so frustrated about being left out. It didn't matter who you put out there on that field with Georgia, outside yeah. of uh, outside of, of, of maybe the the Kansas City Chiefs or, or you know Philadelphia Eagles. They're they're beating the snot out of whoever it was. It didn't matter. We got to start there, Jackson. Our Twelve bowls of Christmas. We're checking your homework. First one was the Orange Bowl. Georgia Bulldogs against the Florida State Seminoles. I know yes. deep down your heart, you you were pulling for the Seminoles. But, oh well, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, there kidding. was no, there was no way I was pulling for the undefeated ACC champions of you know thirteen and zero. People said they deserve to be in the playoff, and we said extensively that Georgia is going to show why Florida State did not make the playoff, 
and they did exactly what we said they were going to do. I mean, we should be retweeted, requoted, retweeted, requoted that Georgia was going to absolutely massacre Florida State, and that's exactly what happened in the grandest fashion that they could have done, 66-3. to You're telling me, as a lifelong Tampa Bay fan, that there wasn't a little bit of twinge in your heart for that, for that team not. just north in Tallahassee. Absolutely not, my friend, because they were playing the who 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 is still the SEC powerhouse, in my opinion, in the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, everything's still going to have to go through Georgia and the state of Alabama, whether we like it or not. Uh, for the foreseeable future, that's what it's got to go through. So there's no way that I could have even, you know, a, a little fraction of a second thought that Florida State could have pulled off that that game against Georgia. Has lost one football game in the past three years. Yeah. Georgia Bulldogs. By three points. By three points. By three points. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, Definitely, we were were definitely spot on on that one. And, uh, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what more needs to be said. I mean, I I think. I mean, mean, the record they have, again, they play in the SEC, uh, a league where you can lose to anybody on any given week. And I, I want to say, I haven't calculated it up totally, but um, I'm trying to say, is it like, are they 41 and 1 over the past three years? Something like 42 and 1, uh, maybe? 41 I mean, and 1. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know the exact, uh, the exact number of, of the total, but either way, it's one loss in three seasons. I mean, it's been remarkable what Kirby Smart has done with Georgia. Might be 43 and 1, right? Because yeah. with the two playoff games, it'd have to be. That'd be 15, that'd be 30, plus, uh, and they had the extra game this year. 43. Happy uh, 43 and 1. They're 43 and 1. Yeah, I mean. Man, can you imagine, yeah. like, Jackson, that doesn't even happen, like, in basketball. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't think of any team in modern history. Well, the only one that comes to mind that's done that kind of winning in, in that amount of time is is definitely not football-related. You would probably have to look at the the Oklahoma Sooners softball team and what they've done in the last three years. I think they've lost like seven softball games in the last three seasons, and they play a whole lot more softball than they do football. So, I mean, I think they're like 117 and seven in the last three years. I mean, it's just been remarkable. But that's what you have to look at. I mean, it, it's unheard of in college football with what's going yeah. on with Georgia right now. And, uh, and and they showed it. I mean, they showed that they are still the supreme. And, and when, the, when the final rankings come out, it would not shock me at all when the final rankings come out in college football this season if Georgia is ranked above one of those two losers from the playoffs. It would not shock me because they are deserving of that. They have yeah. that one loss beside their name. Guess what? Texas has two now. One of them yeah. in the playoff, but they now have two losses. Georgia's still only yeah. got one. So Georgia. I, I think Georgia probably should be ranked higher than Texas. I think. I think Georgia. If Georgia met Texas, they would probably beat them, and they would probably beat Washington too. Uh, the only team I, I'm, I can say right now who I, I'm not sure Georgia would beat is as Michigan. Because I, I saw them, I saw them against Alabama, and, and they are a stout, stout, old-fashioned football team. But uh, what I've heard here, Jackson, basically, you're telling us we don't even need to get, give you credit for this Orange Bowl prediction. 
because that was just such a no. I'm I'm gonna pick the team that's won 42 games the past three yeah. years. Well, I mean, I, you I, know. I would still like the credit because without the <laughs> I have a losing record in these in these 12 picks, so I would still I would still very much. Hey, like spoiler it. alert! Let's not spoil it. Nate, we're gonna move on now to the Peach Bowl. Which Jackson, you predicted correct. Now our best bowls, believe it or not, you were pretty good on, and you made a bowl. What I think was a fairly bold call for a man who's been riding with the Penn State Nittany Lions all season. You predicted the Ole Miss Rebels to beat them in Atlanta, Georgia. That's exactly what happened to the tune of thirty-eight to twenty-five. So how did you come up with that, Jackson? Well. It- you know, uh, well, for one, you know, you talked about players opting out. I was hoping that Max Dart or Jackson Dart was going to play in this game, which he did, and he was phenomenal. And but when I seen that it's, it's Penn State mess matched up with another SEC team, I think back to the recent glory days for our Razorbacks and what Arkansas was able to do to Penn State in the former Outback Bowl and just absolutely dominated them. And I, I just thought that if Arkansas can do that and and I think Ole Miss was, uh, you know, much better than we were this season, obviously. I think Ole Miss can do that and even better, and they showed it. Ole Miss went out there and did, did, their, did the job and uh, and once again handed Penn State a loss to SEC school. Yep. Very, very nice call. And like you said, Penn State against falls to the SEC. We already know what happened with the Pop-Tarts Bowl. You took the L in that one, but, you know, we've, we've – we've, have a whole two podcast <laughs> talking about that one. Next one up is the Texas Bowl. Uh, you picked the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and I I told you on air I thought Texas A and M was going to bow up and show it show people why they call it the Texas Bowl because I've I've heard you know people have told me I'm I can't verify it to be true but they say that you don't mess with Texas. But Oklahoma State came in there and they messed with them. They beat they beat them thirty one to twenty three, and and you actually called it, Jackson. How'd you get that one right too? Well, the the I, I just figured that A and M had way too much going against them. I mean, for one, they they lost their OC. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Bobby Petrino is now back home uh, where he belongs with the University of Arkansas. They fired their coach, paid him some seventy million dollars to hit the door. You're just not going to go and beat a Mike Gundy coach team with all of that going on. And I, I rode with the Cowboys uh, for those reasons. Very nice. Very nice. Well, you got that one right. And uh, you also got this next one right, which was, I think, one of the better bowls out there, the Cotton Bowl. And I think I, I told you this was between Missouri and Ohio State that Missouri couldn't stay on the field with the Buckeyes. That, uh, you know, most of the year I've been telling people, or at least lately, how lucky the, the playoff teams are that they don't have to face Ohio State, who, speaking of your one-loss teams, Ohio State could have finished the season with one loss, too, if they had won this game. But they didn't. They lost to the Missouri Tigers 14-3. to And guess who called it on air? None other than our own Action Jackson. Action? What, what what made you what what inspired you to make this bold call? Well, well, and, you know, and I think we could probably go back to some playback. But after the way Missouri dominated my beloved Razorbacks on on a nationally televised stage, just absolutely trounced them in Fayetteville. I said, "There's there's no way that Ohio State's going to be ready for that for that punch in the mouth that they're going to get." And I didn't know that they weren't going to score a touchdown. I mean, they didn't even score a touchdown in this game. 
and and Missouri wins fourteen to three. And so you know if we if we stop if we stop right there with those top five bowls on our bowls of Christmas, I'm four and one. So we can just end it right there. You know, four and one, five games. You know, uh, but unfortunately, that's not what we have the luxury of doing. Yeah, you're, yeah, right. you're right. We we cannot stop there, but like you said, the top five bowls of our twelve bowls of Christmas, you nailed four of them, Jackson, and I would say three of them were I what I would consider legitimate upsets. They were games where I would have picked the other team to win or thought the other team was better. Um, the only one you missed was the Pop Tarts Bowl, and we know that you uh, you voted with your heart rather than your head and, and knew if you didn't pick NC State in that one, we probably would have to uh, uh, go our separate ways on this podcast because because uh, yeah, yeah. I was going <laughs> to have I was going to be rooting hard for them. So we, that I almost feel like not even counting that as a loss for you. But then we go on to these other bowls and, and you hit a cold streak, the Holiday Bowl, USC against Louisville. On air, I told you that uh, – I thought USC was not going to lose in Southern California, and they didn't. They didn't. They uh, they won forty two to twenty eight in a game, which I'm told because uh, I, I didn't watch it to conclusion was actually more more of a a blowout than what the score indicated. Uh, Jackson, uh, how did Louisville let you down? Well, the Louisville defense, I guess they thought that Matt Liner was playing in this game because that's who USC's backup quarterback looked like, and he looked like Matt Liner out there just slinging the rock to those, uh, you know, 04, 05 USC Trojans that just dominated everybody except for Texas. And, uh, you know, just, I mean, it was just uh, touchdown pass after touchdown pass after touchdown pass. And if they don't set him late in the fourth quarter, he probably sets uh, USC and and bowl game records uh, for touchdowns. And uh, I, went to, I went to the well too many times. You know, I, I know what Tulane did last year against USC and, I went back to that same will, hoping that Louisville would 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 do the same, and uh, it just it just didn't work out. Well, the well ran dry for sure. And uh, as a man who was personally personally victimized by a backup quarterback in a bowl game this year, I feel your pain, Jackson. I, I feel your pain. Uh, moving on now to the Sun Bowl, and once again, Notre Dame against Oregon State. Uh, I told you. Basically, it, now this was under the belief that Notre Dame's quarterback was going to be playing for him in the bowl. I was still had had the childlike belief that 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 players still believe in their schools and play football for the right reasons, have team spirit. But no, they they don't they don't for sure. And Notre Dame's quarterback was out of the game, and that might have changed my opinion about this. But what I forgot was that Oregon State quarterback didn't have any team spirit either and uh he didn't play either the score turned out to be notre dame 40 oregon state eight so jackson how did this one this one was a real black eye on your record here yeah you pretty much you pretty much said it you know when you when you talk about no team spirit and players opting out and uh i'm I'm thinking when I pick these bowl games that I was picking traditional bowl games, you know, where everybody's going to play, they're going to have pride for their school. And uh, Oregon State, it wouldn't have mattered who was the quarterback. Uh, they were not beating Notre Dame. Uh, I watched that game till about the third quarter, and I just I walked away finally because I'm like, yeah, this is 
this is very ugly. And uh, it was a battle of backup quarterbacks, and Notre Dame's looked like the, the quarterback of the future, and Oregon State's quarterback looked like uh, he probably shouldn't be playing. Uh, he probably should find something else to do. So that one, that one didn't work out for you. Now we move on to the Gator Bowl, and this one was actually a heck of a football game. And I, uh, we built it on this podcast as basically the maybe the future of college football and the Kentucky Wildcats against the fading tower in college football, the Clemson Tigers, who have fallen from glory. And uh, Clemson showed that they're not ready to get off that perch just quite yet. Um, Kentucky fought and was actually leading late in the game, but Clemson came back late and uh, ended up taking it from them 38-35. Hard to either credit or blame anyone for a prediction in this game because it was a toss-up. Yeah, definite toss-up, and it was one that I I went with – I went with conference pride and take uh, Kentucky, and uh, they, they, they didn't get the job done. Yeah, it's it's hard. Uh, Clemson Clemson makes a uh, – I mean, every year, you know, South Carolina is their, their uh, day-after-Thanksgiving rival, and so they make a habit out of beating middle-of-the-pack SEC teams. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they try to stay away from the big ones, but they've they've knocked off the big ones too for in the national championship game. So uh, once again, Dabo Swinney and Clemson pulls it out. That's another L. That's three in a row now. Surely you got the Alamo Bowl right, right, Jackson? That was Oklahoma against Arizona, and you rode with the Sooners who beat the Texas Longhorns on neutral field in Texas. Well, surely they can beat the Arizona Wildcats on a neutral field in texas right well i mean that's what we would think and uh i'm not gonna remember the alamo i'm gonna try to remember to forget the alamo because it's another (laughs) loss for me and uh and it just i mean it really goes to show how this whole prediction thing has went for the whole season and uh once again i was on i was on the wrong side of the the loss and uh in, in oklahoma uh I think Oklahoma ended the season where they're going to end a lot of games when they come to the SEC next year in disappointment, and that's what happened. Well, I tell you, um, (laughs) uh, I just want to give a shout-out to the Arizona Wildcats because uh, even I, and a lot of these games, you know, I picked the other side. Um, I, I was partial to Kentucky like you were in the Gator Bowl. But I wasn't going to touch Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. Um, I thought Arizona did fantastic just to make it there and be matched up with a team against like Oklahoma. That that was just a huge uh, compliment to them that they would even put them there. But um, they ended up winning the game. They ended up winning the game convincingly. I mean, beat, beat them by two touchdowns. And let what a heck of an end of the season uh, Arizona had. Here are some teams that they beat this year. They beat Utah, who was 22 in the country, 42 to 18. They beat UCLA, 27 to 10. They beat Oregon State, 27 to 24. They went into Washington State, beat them 44 to 6. They lost to the now uh, could be national champion Washington Huskies by only a touchdown, 31 to 24. 
They went into South Carolina, I mean, uh, Southern California and only lost in triple overtime by two points. And, um, and, and now they beat the, the Oklahoma Sooners. This is a team that as of late October, I don't think they, they were ranked until November. I don't think that they entered the college football rankings until sometime in November. It's been just a tremendous surge late in the year for uh, Arizona. And let's not forget, Arizona lost this year to the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So a win by Mississippi State that just continues to look better and better. Mississippi State, I think, can now claim that they beat a top-10 team because – I don't see how Arizona doesn't end the season ranked in the top ten. Do you, Jackson? No, I, I would. I would say you're. I would say you're right. I, I think they should. I think they should be there. I think they deserve it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there there's some good teams out there, and it's going to be. Uh, there's some others that can claim that spot, but uh, just looking down the rankings here. Uh, let's see if we. Yeah, so looking down the rankings and what we got. Penn State is going to fall out of the top ten. Um, I don't know if they're going to leapfrog Ohio State. They should probably leapfrog LSU after LSU almost got beat by Wisconsin. But then again, you know, with the opt-outs and everything, it'll be close. Arizona will be comfortably top 12. I don't know if they'll be able to jump over Ohio State. But, um, Man, to even think you would be having a conversation at this time of the year on whether Ohio State, I mean, whether Arizona is better than Ohio State, um, what a tremendous coaching job. Whoever is coaching the Wildcats this year, go out and, and, and get them and, and get everybody who is part of that program because that was just a fantastic season that nobody saw coming. Um, all right, with that said, we're moving on to the ReliQuest Bowl, and I just mentioned LSU Tigers, who somehow managed to pull out a win in the ReliQuest Bowl, despite nearly getting blown out. I say blown out. Um, with in the, in the third quarter, it was 28-14 to 14 Wisconsin. And looked like they were going to pile on more before LSU did what they always do, which is find Brian Thomas Jr. for a long 38-yard pass to bring it to within a touchdown. Uh, Then they followed that up with another touchdown to tie the game. And after a Wisconsin field goal, came back with just three minutes left in the game and uh, and found uh, found a pass to uh, Garrett Nussmeyer. For a for a touchdown, to win thirty five to thirty one, and give Action Jackson another victory on his twelve bowls of Christmas. No, oh, that, that I very much needed. And you know, you talk about players opting out. How how can you be a player that wins the most prestigious college football award in the Heisman Trophy, and you don't go out and play your next game? Yeah, it, it, that, that is that is a travesty in college football that that's even allowed. You're an award winner. You won the Heisman Trophy. You're now part of the Nissan Heisman House. You're now part of a fraternity of brothers forever, and you can't go out and play one more game for your school after that school allowed you to be on this platform to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, 
and well, the backup had to win the game. I have to say, there's an easy fix to that, Jackson. You have to play in that game. I agree. I agree. But I I think, and this might be another thing that fixes a lot of these bowls. But honestly, if you're not, if your team's not a top 12 team, you're probably not going to win the Heisman. Uh, It's just the way it goes nowadays. So I think a lot of that will be fixed with the playoff because this year LSU probably would have been in the playoff. They are ranked number 13 in the country. Uh, there would have been some strong arguments for putting them in the top 12. And uh, they most likely would have got in being from the SEC. And, and of course, um, we, would have, we wouldn't have had the problem you just mentioned. But also with the Heisman, I don't understand, especially with there being a 12-team playoff, and I'm glad you brought this up and brought this point up, Jackson, because with there being a 12-10 playoff, the Heisman should absolutely not be awarded until after the national championship is over. Because yeah. beginning next year more than ever, your most important football is going to be played in the months of December and January. Yes, and I, and I think, and I don't know if there's been an announcement about this or not, but I think the Heisman Trophy ceremony should be pushed back to at least the championship weekend, uh, you know, the weekend before yes. the championship because your champion is the, you know, who's going to play in the championship is yes. already decided and then you have a full week before the game is played. I'm assuming that's still how it's going to happen. But absolutely, you, you can't give out a Heisman Trophy while there's still meaningful football being played. And yes. So I, I guess the, the Reliquist Bowl didn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. So there's no way you could, I mean, and I don't see why they had it there this year anyway. Exactly. The, the, definitely would have had people, uh, the quarterback playing the Relia Quest Bowl, but um, we um, got got to. That's got to be the number one thing on the college football agenda. Is there's no way you should have somebody being handed the Heisman Trophy when there are their team. I'm assuming if they're at least in the top twelve, has a chance to be playing three more games. Yeah. Three more games, and I'm not exactly sure of the format, but I'm assuming if you're not in the top four, you're going to have to play that first game, then you're going to have to play a semifinal, and then you have to play a national championship if you win them all, right? Right. And so you're handing someone the college when, – when all these other players have a chance to have three more games that actually not only mean something, they mean arguably more than any other game in the year. No, that's a no-brainer. You know, no which seconds my argument that I believe that Michael Penning Sr. should have brought home that hardware as the best player in college football. And, yeah. You know, and I, 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 I honestly think if, if, they had to, if they had to award the Heisman tomorrow, they would give it to Penning Sr. I, I, I totally agree. So, and maybe if they had to award it a week and a half from now, that would even be clearer if, if everybody listens to Action Jackson. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, but I mean, where you don't need to listen to me is on these picks that we're going to continue to go down, which That's right. we don't have to, do we have to revisit the, the two lane debacle or do we just briefly, very uh, briefly, the military bowl, as, as, as everyone uh, knows, um, uh, Jackson, uh, picked Virginia tech in the military bowl. I'm sorry. Excuse me. No, excuse me. No, pick pick two lane in the military. If I yes. Did, if, if pull for Tulane, you know, uh, 
but you know, once again, I went with my heart, and my heart was wrong. Uh, That's right. Uh, I think Tulane forgot that there was a bowl game that they had to go and participate in because uh, it doesn't uh, sound like yeah. they really showed up. An ugly game in the rain in which Tulane's starting quarterback opted out and their coach left him for the Houston Cougars, which is about the most deflating thing that can happen to you. Not just your coach leaving you, but your coach leaving you for the Houston Cougars. That's I think that's the most deflating part. I and uh, I think that's a parallel move for him. I think he's actually taking a step back. Uh, well, you would think. But... You know, at, at Tulane now, you have to question yourself: Are we are we that much worse of a program than Houston that 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 we their coach would leave us when we're rolling when we're basically, uh, you know, playing in two consecutive conference championships and, and he would leave us for them? I mean, but Houston does, I'm assuming, have deep pockets. So, but bottom line, yeah, uh, it was a 41 to 20 victory for the Hokies and uh, another black mark on Jackson's record so he's sitting at five and six right now going into our last bowl which was the citrus bowl and all he needed to 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 avoid having a stain of a losing record in the 12 bowls of Christmas was he needed the Tennessee volunteers to dig deep okay and just represent the south with all their might and just make a statement for the SEC against a team that played in the Big Ten Championship, and uh, did they did they get it done, Jackson? Well, I would I would say they definitely did. I I think that they're still trying to figure out how they're going to uh, to uh, co- collaborate with the the Cheez-It people for Hawkeye flavored Cheez-Its because that's exactly what Tennessee made uh, in the Camping World Stadium. <laughs> Hawkeye flavored cheeses out of uh, Iowa all day long uh, with a backup quarterback that is probably gonna he's gonna have he's gonna make nightmares for SEC defenses. Uh, I would not even uh, attempt to uh, pronounce his name, but the freshman uh, Nico was his first name, and uh, I'm not gonna try to butcher his last name, but uh, he just absolutely showed out and. Iowa did not show up for two games in a row. The Hawkeyes were shut out, and Tennessee just rolled uh, to a, to a very impressive victory. Thirty-five to nothing, Tennessee Volunteers. To zero. And I hate to say it, if you're an Iowa Hawkeye fan, but after your team goes nine and two in the regular season. Um, or I'm sorry, ten and two. Ten and two. Uh, Iowa is a ten-win team. 10 and 2 in the regular season. If you were to tell some diehard fans uh, in Des Moines that, uh, or Ames that their team would not score another point for the rest of the season, well, let's, uh, let's leave that's, them, that's let's deflating. Leave them, let's leave them where they belong, though. They belong in Des Moines because the other team that I really like and, and, and uh, love on this, uh, on this cast is the team from Ames, which is the Iowa State Cyclones. So, yeah, we can leave them at Des Moines. <laughs> Sorry so, about uh, that. No. Sorry. I, I, I don't, don't have my, uh, my Hawkeye State geography <laughs> as, as well. But, anyway, that was a win, of course, for, for Action Jackson. So, that leaves him at 6-6, six and, six, and he, 
he has begged to get credit for another game that we talked about and basically scoffed at, which was the Fiesta Bowl. And Oregon, of course, blew out Liberty, helpless Liberty, 45 to 6. Uh, but that was that. Even if that was part of our twelve bowls of Christmas, there's no way I would give Jackson credit for that, just because that's so, so obvious. And I will say this, Jackson is, to me, not only were the top four, the top two, top four teams great, as far as uh, the the playoff bowl games were excellent, but the absolute dismal performance of the top three, what I would call Cinderella teams from non-major conferences who all would have had arguments to make a 12-team playoff this year. And to me, that's really what a 12-team playoff is about, is putting in one Cinderella team every year in the top 12 and seeing what they've really got. Well, this year, those three Cinderella candidates were Liberty, Tulane, and SMU. Those were basically your three teams that were uh, on the cusp of, of making the um, the college football had arguments say hey we could we could win the national championship even though we're from a small conference and they all fell flat on their face even SMU which I was sure was going to blow they were ten point favorites against Boston College lowly Boston College who I'm still shocked even made a bowl at six and six. They, they, they beat them by 13. They beat SMU by 13. So no question that there were no Cinderella's this year. And, um, you know, it, it makes me wonder if, if there'll be any next year either after people saw how badly they performed against major conference teams. So, and, and, you know, to, to put a bow on these 12 bowls of Christmas to wrap it up, so what you're telling me is in, in SMU, Liberty, and Tulane, and we'll throw Florida State in there too because they were screaming they were going to hang a national championship banner if they won. So <laughs> those four schools aren't going to be hanging national championship banners anytime soon. Is that what I'm hearing? They're that's right. going to be hanging them. Yeah, that's okay. right. So, so that's, uh, we, we can, we, you know, it's, it's, it's always tough to try to put a bow on anything and say you got to wrap it up. But the college football season has been fantastic. You know, uh, our, our teams haven't fared so well. Obviously, Arkansas was, was not what we thought they would be, uh, and we, we hope that they come back. NC State played in a great bowl game and came up a little short. So, but college, look what college football has given us. We have, for the first time in a while, we're going to crown a college football champion that's not from the Southeastern Conference. For the first yeah, time. or or even not from the south. Um, it's it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, you are right about that, Jackson. You're right about that. And um, no Alabama, no Georgia, no LSU. Uh, there, there's going to be a team crowned that is not a represent that is not a representative of the the now or the future Southeastern Conference. And once again, Kurt. Congratulations to these two great institutions for representing. You're right. Hey, uh, Jackson, the last time a team won in the national championship that was not from the South, and again, Clemson won two in this time. They're obviously from the South, from South Carolina. But the last time a team won a national championship who was not from the South, you have to go back to the 2014 season. 
Wow. January 12, 2015, Ohio State beat Oregon. The first, in the, the first college football playoff. The first college football playoff. So, so we went from the first college football playoff of this format until the last one before we crowned somebody again that's not from the South. Yeah, and that was disputed too because if you if you don't if you'll recall Jackson, when Ohio State won it that year, they did not win their conference championship. No, they didn't. They did not win. They didn't play in their conference championship. Didn't win it, but they were crowned the national champions. So that's still, you know, somewhat controversial to this day. This will be the first time I think a national champion is crowned, not from the South, and even longer than that, who's undisputed. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a heck of a season, and honestly, I think a lot of uh, the impetus behind making a 12-team playoff was the feeling that a four-team playoff favored the SEC too much, and, uh, you know, teams like Clemson, too, uh, favored them too much, and we finally get a year where it looks like the opposite, where the SEC basically had to beg to get into the playoff this year and then got beat. Um, because I feel like with this, with this, yeah, with this NIL, this NIL is really laying, leveling the playing field. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing, but it's it's more or less, you know, when you've got money to spend. If if teams like Michigan and and uh, Washington, I hate to say Washington is is you know benefited by that at all. I think they just have a heck of a good team. But um, I think they're well coached. No, exactly. Yeah, a lot of changes going on, and, and I, I don't know if this 12-team playoff might actually end up benefiting the SEC more than the four-team, honestly, because, you know, teams teams are going to beat up on each other, and all you got to do is get in the top 12, and then once you do that, it's a brand-new season. Brand-new season, exactly right. And, yeah. and, uh, but, Speaking you know, of football, we, we're going to end it up here. we got just a few more minutes left on the cast, but I wanted to briefly mention the – the NFL, and uh, also before we get to the NFL, I want to just briefly give a give a shout out and congratulate uh, the the, the uh, Jacks, Action Jackson's favorite NBA team, the Detroit Pistons. Oh my! God. And I wanna I wanna congratulate for finally winning a basketball game, breaking oh, the man. NBA's longest losing streak of 28 oh. games. And uh, they recently got a got a win last night. Um, Jackson, can you remind me of who they beat? Uh, I don't even. I mean, <laughs> does I don't even think it matters. I think they beat Toronto to lose the, to to finish it. But then they turn around the next night and lose again. So they started another losing streak. So, but they did start another one. Yes, they are a quick. A quick it was Toronto. You are right. It was Toronto on the uh, day before Christmas Eve, uh, December 30th. Um, while, while we're on basketball, a quick note that the University of Arkansas did get back in the win column with a 106-90 to 90 win over another North Carolina directional school. And I have to give a shout-out to the, the transfer, Keon Menefield, from the University of Washington and his 30 30- two points that he dropped on this North Carolina uh, Wilmington and pointing us towards Saturday at 1 o'clock 
when Arkansas opened the SEC play against the Auburn Tigers, Auburn Tigers, and the Basketball Palace of Mid America, Bud Walton Arena. Yep. So we faced the the twenty fifth ranked Auburn Tigers. Back to where we need to be, right on time for the conference, and I think that. We, we might have found an answer uh, for that offense because the offense was just absolutely clicking on all cylinders. And uh, it's, it's a game we probably should have won by 30. But, you know, we, we got a little lax on defense toward the end. We ended up winning by 16. But the first time we scored 100 since 2021, it's the first time we broke the century mark. Uh, we didn't even score over 100 points all season last season. So uh, great things in store for the Razorbacks. So, Conference is a, is a whole new ball game, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to uh, to what the basketball season holds. So just because college football is over with, doesn't matter that we're through here for for some time to come. That's right, that's right, Jackson. This is uh, this is about halftime for our podcast. We still have uh, almost all of basketball season, and then of course baseball season to. Uh, so I, I guess it's not even halftime, actually, if you, if you look at it that way. We, we go all the way until June, hopefully. And what we, we would love it to go. The further into June we go, the better. Because we, we are definitely oh, some old friends. But uh, I guess let's. Uh, the last thing uh, to mention is, is, of course, the NFL, which is entering the last week of the season. And uh, I don't know how much time you'd like to talk about that uh at New Orleans Tampa Bay game this past week, but uh, um, we uh, the good news for the Buccaneers is all they have to do to make the playoffs and win the NFC South division is beat the NFL worst two and fourteen Carolina Panthers, and I'd have to say that's a, that's a good position to be in. Well, the thing is, you know, it, it kind of feels like being on an episode of Punked with uh, Ashton Kutcher because. I just, I, it just seems like there's, there's something that's coming once again for Buccaneers fans. I mean, just to look back at the New Orleans game, uh, you know, something I heard in the recap, uh, we had a wide open guy running for the end zone, trips over his own feet, fumbles the ball, so New Orleans can recover. I mean, it, it, that's just, I mean, that sounds like the downfall coming for me, Big Mo. <laughs> I, I do, I do, I do predict and I do think that we will beat Carolina. Uh, on Sunday uh, to to go and represent the uh, abysmal NFC South in the playoffs and uh, and you know we we may win a game we may not we might get bounced uh, you know but it opens up the door for the Saints because if we do lose and the Saints beat the Falcons the Saints will be in the same position they will win the division and represent the NFC South and that's just how bad our division is yeah. when. You're, you're wanting your team to beat the Falcons and my team to lose to the worst team in the NFL so your team can make the playoffs. So yeah. that pretty much, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up for me. I mean, I, I'm hoping that we we do win. I'm, I'm hoping that Baker's healed up. I heard he busted his ribs up pretty good. Uh, they, they think he's going to play uh, this weekend. I, I hope he's able to go. Uh, if not, you know, Throw Kyle Trask out there. I don't know what they've been waiting on anyway. Put Kyle Trask out there. Give him opportunity. I mean, this could be his moment to, to, to see something, you know. And uh, But, yeah, the NFL is, the NFL is uh, really, really winding down, too. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, there's probably nine or ten teams that really have an argument right now that 
that they can win the Super Bowl. And so we're, we will see. We will see in the next few weeks what's going to happen. Yes, we will. And, and it's like you mentioned, uh, no matter what happens and no matter who makes the playoffs in the NFC South, I feel like it's going to be a very brief appearance. Basically, we're going to be a, a sacrificial lamb for one of the other teams, that we, whoever we play in the first round, because there are some really solid football teams out there. Um, the, the 49ers, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Lions, and the Rams. And I, I've personally seen my Saints play uh, at least two of probably the worst two of those which was the Rams and the Lions and I can very well imagine what they would do against the, the better three and none of it's going to be pretty so no, um, it's not. and you know Tampa uh, you know and, and on the other side I, I was seeing Tampa get, get absolutely whipped by the Eagles uh, we, we did lose by a touchdown to the 49ers uh you know, a few weeks ago, I was thinking Tampa Bay could probably play with most teams in the NFC, but after what happened against the Saints, I, I just, I, I don't know. And, and you know, yeah. just the thought of hosting, just the thought of hosting somebody like Philadelphia in a wild card game is not a position that I want to be in as a Bucks fan. Uh, you know, whether it's Philly or the way the Rams are playing right now, I don't want to see either one of those teams, uh, even on my home field, because it's, it's not... It's not going to be. Uh, it's not. It's going to be an early exit for either Tampa Bay, New Orleans, or Atlanta. Whichever one wins this abysmal division, it's, it's not going to be a very long stint in the playoffs. You're absolutely yeah. correct. I totally and, agree. You know that. That being said, I, I I don't like to throw out early picks for the Super Bowl, but the most dominant team right now, the best looking team that I've seen recently, is Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. They are absolutely on a roll right now. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. After beating uh, Miami and San Francisco back to back weeks, uh, I have. To, I think it's kind of undisputed right now that the number one power ranked team, at least in uh, football in the NFL, is the Ravens. Uh, unfortunately, at least from my perspective, the playoffs mean so much, and in the NFL, more than maybe any league, you see. Five, six. You see, wild card teams who come up and make it to the Super Bowl. So I would, I would honestly be surprised if the Ravens did make it to the Super Bowl, just because you've got to make it past so many other good teams, the Chiefs, the Bills. Uh, even though they embarrassed the Dolphins, um, uh, you you see you see the opposite happen the next week for these teams. You know, you got to put together consistent performance and the Ravens have such a big target on their back right now that I, I just uh, they have a good team but I'd have to see it to believe it at this point yeah. and, and you know because of you know because of all that and you know and I, I do know that I don't know the extent of uh, Christian McCaffrey's uh, calf injury I know he got injured in the, the last part of that San Francisco game over the weekend but if I was going to throw out an early and, and I don't do these for the Super Bowl, I don't, but if I was going to throw out an early uh, matchup that I would like to see in the Super Bowl that I think is a good possibility, I would have to I would have to say that Josh Allen finally gets his opportunity and Buffalo plays San Francisco is my that's my early pick for uh, for Super Bowl fifty eight. All right. All right, that's what we're gonna stick with. <laughs> 
All right, Jackson. Jackson. It's been a it's been a, it's been a good good, good podcast, podcast today, today, and I think we touched on a lot. Yeah, but uh, yeah, for the for the fans that do listen, we do certainly appreciate you here at Home Field Advantage, and so glad to be here with Big Mo once again. And uh, you know, tell your friends and uh, subscribe. And uh, I know that Big Mo will tell you how to do that before we get off here. And uh, all I can say is, Amen to that. Amen. Amen. And you can, and you, you, can, can you can subscribe. Can subscribe uh, uh, we'll go to, we'll our, go to Twitter our Twitter at homefield underscore ADV. Homefield underscore ADV. And that will take you to our podcast and just hit that subscribe button. And also follow us on Twitter. And, you know, if we're calling it straight, let us know. If we're not calling it straight, let us know that too. We're open to all comments and suggestions. Absolutely, we are. All right. All right. I have, I have, we have to say, uh, yeah, amen. Yeah, amen.